Hello and welcome to Reality Bites episode 120. Now with more hope! For the week of November 18th, 2014. This is a Care Studios production. We are your hosts, Slothan. Hornlaw. Profaxan. <laughs> bringing you. I didn't know the order. It's always you second. Anyway, bringing you feel good stories. Probably. If you would like to sponsor this or any other shows made at Cure Studios, you can click on the donation button found at the top of the Cure Studios page. Again, thank you for sponsoring our show. Slothin, stop eating. It's distracting. I like eating food. I know, we all like I eating I know, and now we need banter about what's been going on. Yes, indeed. What has been going on in your week, Slothin? Me? Oh my god, I'm hosting. Why would I go first? I don't well, know. I'm eating food. Um, I've been playing Minecraft a bit more. Okay. I've been playing Pokemon more. And I've been watching TV more. I've been doing homework. So less of each of those things, but more things. Okay. And, uh, Rofaxon, what have you been up to? Well, um... Before I start, I just have to thank Slothin for the introduction, uh, like he did. I just keep imagining him like some really big fat programmer, like eating chips and like on the computer playing MMORPGs or something. Like, I just imagine Slothin being ridiculously fat when he did the intro to this show. To disillusion you. Which was funny image. To disillusion you, he's actually eating carrots and a pear. I know. But I didn't know that, and he's not actually, like, ridiculously, morbidly obese, as I imagined him. I just imagined him surrounded by, like, six computers and just being morbidly obese and, like, shoving his face full of food. I don't know why, but it was very funny. I don't know, the image I have right now is him with a knife whipped out as he cuts everything up and then shoves it in the knife and the piece of food into his mouth. (laughs) Oh, that sounds unsafe. Uh... Hey. Uh, anyway. That's how we got those scars. Uh, 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 uh. Uh. So That's not a scar, it's a week. piercing. <laughs> Go on, Rofax, I'm sorry. Why? Anyway. Uh, I've continued to play a little bit of Minecraft. I've been kind of sick, so that sucks. And I don't know if I mentioned that I was making an RPG game, but uh, my computer seems to have deleted the folders in for some reason, so I'm not doing that anymore. You had and mentioned you know it before. Part? Go ahead. Yeah, it really pissed me off, because I spent a lot of hours working on it, and now it's completely and utterly gone, and I don't know why, because it was there, and then it wasn't. And the thing that really irritates me is um, I had a backup program, and I'm not going to mention because I'm mention which backup program I was using in the past because I'm about to insult them. I had a backup program running and uh, so the file folder somehow got deleted and then the backup updated my computer to include folder being deleted. So the backup doesn't have it anymore because there is no version to backups on this program. It was free, granted, so you can't expect much, but I was like, what the hell? And this is why I like on-site backups as well. You know, an external yeah, hard drive, flash drive, something. Did I tell you what happened when I backed up my computer on an external hard drive? The first 
time it crashed and I needed to back up the external hard drive crashed. I have a new philosophy. Don't back up anything. Stuff will get lost. And it builds character when you get really irritated because <laughs> you lost hours and hours and hours of work. It's yeah, that's true. That's what I'm doing from now on. I, I've, have I told you the horror stories of losing like an hour's worth of work when I was writing something? An hour's work? I just lost like probably 70 hours worth of work. I'm, I'm sure. game I, I... was almost done and it was really long. If you want to pl- if you want to play the let's compare penises lost game, <laughs> uh, it, it's happened so many times. It's it's it, it was insulting. My first book, I could have done that three times over. Wow! So are you using on-site backup? Uh, what happens was anytime I'd write, I would like a fool, wait until I was finished writing it because, you know, I was in my train of, of thought, I was in the mode, yeah. I was in the zone, so I'd yeah. be writing for like an hour and I didn't save. And at the end yeah. of that, and I was about ready to save or I was, you know, writing the last little paragraph or something, it would crash. Ooh. And it would Ooh. lose everything. I had that happen. I was doing a paper, and of course I was late um, for school. And I was in the computer, the campus computer lab, and I like did the whole paper and all this other stuff and I I can't remember what happened I oh yes I do I this was my own fault I was stupid but it still pissed me off I saved the file and I was saving as I write you know every few minutes I save Mm -hmm. so like I finally got done after sitting at that damn is a 24-hour lab fortunately sitting at damn lab to like midnight and I got done, I saved it one more time, and I like really had to pee, so I pulled my card and I went to pee, then I came back and I signed back in and it was gone because it wasn't, it like, the system deleted the session of you being there, and I wasn't saving to my USB, I was saving to the hard drive, then, which got like, deleted. Awesome. After I pulled my card. And then I asked the guy, because it's like, there's no way it's actually really deleted. It's just not associating or something. And I was like, whoop, I don't know. And he was a dumb guy, because it's like midnight. And he's like, oh, no, I guess you lost it. And it's like, ah! Well, so I had to be up till like four in the morning. If it was a session, and it's it's a session that refreshes each time, it is very possible that it was completely gone. Yeah, possibly. I just figured, you know, normally when you've got something like, well, no, I guess it won it. It won it. Well, I mean, think about a, a live <sighs> distro of Linux you're running, okay? Okay, but here's what I'm saying. If it's not saving to the hard drive, why is it an option? Why is it an option to save something to the quote-unquote hard drive? It's Close the, the same. Program, it's the same. Go around, open it back Kirk. up. No, your university just say, oh, by the way, did you know you can't save to the hard drive because this is a session? No. Would Rofax, have been a Rofax, nice warning is Rofax all I'm it. saying. It's the same yeah. reason that when your session with Linux is done and you pull out the CD and restart your computer, your file's gone. It, it's because it's, it's a universal. Yes, it is. It's a universal. No, it's not. Yes, it absolutely is. No, when you're in Linux, if you're running Puppy or something, it's all in RAM. This isn't all in RAM. There, you do have access to a hard drive. And yet, that hard drive is beats everything. Exactly, because it wants to keep it fresh. That's how they refresh it. You have to think of it as if it was running in RAM. 
there is a way to run Windows and have a hard drive act as though it were RAM, and that's what it did. Yes, but it wasn't actually RAM. Even if it was running as RAM, it wasn't actually RAM. Anyway. There is a distinction <laughs> between the two. Anyways. Anyway. So I lost my entire game, and it sucked. But on the bright side, Swathen and I are going to play an adventure map one of these days. That's I'm actually really looking forward to that. Alright, anyways, so uh, tell me about the genre um, role-playing game game. The genre? Uh, it's yeah, very the, similar the genre to Final of Fantasy. role-playing game game. Oh, his RPG game? <laughs> anyway, my, my RP role-playing game was very similar to Final Fantasy. Three. His RP RP? Yeah, my RP RP role-playing Game G. That's very similar. <laughs> that was actually the title. It was a working title, but that's what it was. Yeah, it was. It was the RP role-playing RPGG game. Yeah, so I'm probably not going to remake it because it's just too frustrating. Well, I'm sure you learned some stuff along the way. And if it's a tale that you wish nothing. to tell, you'll be able to do it easier. Yeah, I just don't know if I'm going to do the RPG format or not. I have to decide. I don't like fantasy books, though I like fantasy games, so I, I don't know if I could actually, like, make it a story, because I just, I don't like fantasy books. Not everybody who does porn likes sex. <laughs> As you eat your... Was that pear? Now, yeah. Now my image is the same one, except all six screens are full of porn. <laughs> And you're eating Twinkies. Yes. So, uh, Slothin may not know this, but this is my tale. This is what I've done with my weekend. I watched a movie called Interstellar. And, Slothin, I highly suggest you watch Interstellar. As he makes the weirdest face ever, because apparently he ate something he didn't like. Just better. So, you should watch Interstellar. Everybody, if you're planning on watching Interstellar at some time in the future, do not wait to watch it on television. It is It, it will not compare to what it looks like on the screen. Uh, it was magnificently huge, loud, so loud I was kind of annoyed, but I think that was part of it. Either that or the theater I was watching and turned everything way up. It was beautiful. The representation of space was amazing. Um... I kind of want to go w back and watch it in an IMAX theater just because of how wonderful it looks. The story's pretty decent. The science is all right. There's a couple of problems I have with it, but other than that, it was a pretty good movie. So that's my quick, brief review of Interstellar. Because that's basically what I did with my weekend. And now is the time for the show, since we've wasted enough time, to go for the first news story. Slap it as you continue to eat! <laughs> Why don't you uh, read this first news story? An algae farm designed to suck up highway pollution. Car exhaust turns out to be the perfect fuel for making algae grow. Yep. 
A highway overpass might seem like an unlikely place for a garden, but if you're growing algae, it's ideal. All algae need to thrive are sunlight and CO2. The pollution from cars driving below is actually an asset. In a prototype built above a busy Geneva highway earlier this year, architects from the Cloud Collective tested a system for growing algae in tubes on the wall of an overpass. Though the tubes could be used on any wall, the designers wanted to take advantage of the abundant CO2 from the highway and the symbolism of the location. Symbolism? Okay. I don't care about their symbolism, but I like their use of the, uh, stuff. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, haha. We proposed a garden to be built on a viaduct. As we thought these sorts of locations are quite emblematic of our cities today, explained Joris Lipsch, one of the architects in the collective. They're gener generic, aggressive, unattractive, but at the same time, seemingly inevitable in our daily lives. Wow. Wow. Dick. Rather than trying to turn overpasses into a more conventional garden, the architects wanted to adapt a garden to the site. The result, this resulted in the idea of growing algae in a tubular system, using only sunlight and CO2, Lipsch said, says, By doing this, we show the potential of these sorts of sites for being transformed into productive and active locations, while leaving valuable and fertile ground free for other uses. The algae can be harvested by draining the tubes and filtering the green goo inside. The material can be used in food supplements since it's high in protein, or to make products like cosmetics. Algae can also be used to make biofuel or turned into green electricity. Algae produces five times as much biomass as plants. The test in Geneva was only up temporarily as part of the local festival, but similar experiments are being built elsewhere on building facades, roofs, and bridges. The designers believe the gardens are a logical step for cities everywhere. As architects and urbanists, we think that this project shows the potential of reflecting differently on sites we considered being wasteland or industrial. Lipsch says, If we consider the scarcity of fertile land and green open space, using every bit of potential of this sort of site is crucial for the quality of our cities and landscapes. I like the idea of using the abundant CO2 by roads to grow plants. They had a system set up years and years ago, and I haven't heard of it since. It was from this interesting scientifically-minded man who was all about uh, using algae everywhere, oh, and he also invented some sort of fuel cell uh, for hydrogen. It was a solid-state fuel cell. I'm sure he was one of many that invented one, but that's what he did. What he did was he set up these algae farms that would take the exhaust from power plants or any kind of uh, 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 fa faculty? Not faculty. Factory? Factory! There you go. Sorry, I don't know why I couldn't remember the word. And anyway, it would siphon through the algae and it would produce huge amounts of it and you could eat it and you could you know turn it into biofuel or whatever you wanted, really. It's really an interesting idea. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to eat well exhaust you, algae. You could is the thing. Yeah. Also, you could probably use it as fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Is it, it's very abundant. So oh. there, there's many uses for this. I like the idea also um, of using plants to pull things like heavy metals out of the air or ground. I know cilantro is good for pulling certain heavy metals out. Is it still edible? Mm, I wouldn't suggest it. It's full of heavy <laughs> metals. <laughs> Oh, well, we only eat the leaves, though, right? The leaves are full of heavy metals, okay, too. Okay, okay. I think it just goes throughout the plant. 
and gets dumped in organ in a um vacuoles? Yeah, vacuoles. No, that's stupid. And then you God could put it in a it. in a chemical processing plant and pull out the metal and 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 uh, pulverize that's, it. That's and... how I'm looking at oh, okay. it. But that, that's not how other people look at it. I see it as a way to reclaim resources so you can sell them back to the people who use them in the first place. That's why I want to put giant uh, solar islands at river bases where large amounts of uh, um, waste nitrates oh. or nitrates. phosphates or whatever it is that causes the uh, the blooms of death at riverbeds and you know just. One, it's solar. Two, you're evaporating air out, so you're producing fresh water. So you sell the fresh water, and you get all the nitrites and stuff out of it, and then you sell those back to the f the people who make the uh, fertilizer, and then... Well, I still think that like... would be harmful for the particular type of environment at a river basin. They're dead. Are they dead? Yeah, the blooms kill them all. Okay. They, uh... Because of the nitrites or the phosphates, or I should know this, but I don't. I think it's one of those phosphates. two things. They it ends up in the rivers and then it goes out and then at the river base, algae and shit immediately use all of that and suck all of the CO2. Or, yeah, all no, suck all of something out of the water. Oxygen. Pro no, I think it would be the CO2. All right, but kill everything there, so no. Because they do this so quickly, strip the area of the CO2, no other plants or anything can live there. And then that stuff, I guess, isn't terribly edible or something. But because of those, there are large dead voids by river mouths. Okay. And I would like to capitalize on that. Now, the person who wrote this article looks like they, uh, they have a sustainable products and solutions program at UC Berkeley. Just thought I'd mention that. Berkeley's. Unless Rofax has something to say, I'm moving on to the next story. Apparently not. No, that's fine. Um, my baby's upset today and my wife's taking care of her, so I have to mute my microphone when I'm not talking, so... A okay. little bit of a delay. Just so you just... know, none of that has anything to do with my area of study, which is why I know jack shit about it. Okay. All right, well, I will take a sip of my delicious beverage. I have to get the carrot out of my throat. Ah, and I will read the next news story, which is Comet Landing 2014. Rosetta Pro Philae, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, discovers organic molecules. The Philae space probe was powered down earlier than expected, but not before an instrument discovered an organic compound that was detected in the comet's atmosphere. The Wall Street Journal exclusively reported Monday. The find is extraordinary considering the organic compound contains the carbon atom, which is the basis of life on all Earth. Okay, carbon's not... where is it? Anyway, further research is being conducted to see if there are complex compounds like amino acids or simple ones like methane, methanol, considering the, or considered the building blocks for proteins. Uh, the research will help us to understand whether organic molecules were brought by comets to the early Earth. Stephen Olmec. The Philae's landing manager said, according to the journal. The European Space Agency said the probe fell into hibernation after it only got 1.5 hours of light a day instead of the expected 7. Even though Philae fell silent, it was still able to send the information it received while it was functioning. That's how the organic compound discovery was found. 
Prior to falling silent, the latter was able to transmit the lander. The lander was able to transmit all scientific data gathered during the first science sequence. Olmec said, "The machine performed magnificently under tough conditions, and we can be fully proud of the incredible scientific success Philae has discovered." Before it went idle, Philae conducted 60 hours of work on Comet 67P. The conversation set. One of its missions was ascertained was to ascertain if complex organic molecules which could have helped create Earth billions of years ago existed on comets. Philae's landing was not only historic, but also hit on social media. Philae's monumental landing arguably overshadowed the reality star Kim Kardashian's nude photos from the paper magazine, even though the starlet intended to break the internet. Anyway, data shows more people talked about Philae's landing by nearly 170,000 tweets. The journal wrote in another article citing Topsy. There were 479,434 uh, 479, tweets in 24 hours about the comet landing, while Kardashian only had 307,000 mentions in the same time. Why is this a thing? Why do I care about Kardashian? Why are they comparing it? <sighs> Slothin, look, science is popular. Yay, did you see Kim Kardashian's ass? How can you not? It's fucking everywhere. Well, literally? I, yeah. <laughs> I do like I to take it that way. Oh, dear. I, it sounded bad. Ooh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's cool that science is popular. Hey, but I have an update. Okay, I thought this was the case, but it didn't make sense to me logically. Algae blooms do dissolve the oxygen in the water. They get rid of the oxygen because they create a bunch of dead organic matter and the decay process consumes dissolved oxygen that's from wikipedia but yeah i i thought i remembered it that way but it didn't make sense but yeah as as far as the organic matter my next story has to do with that so i'm gonna hold my comments on that part okay <coughs> i have nothing more to say about the comet landing other than that was a really cool piece of science thank you very much guys yeah no i think it's I, yeah, I think landing on a comet's kind of a big deal. Um, so, as, am I up? Yes. Could there be organic matter on Mars? The origins of organic matter found by Mars lander missions have long been debated, but a new study suggests a way to find out whether these chemicals of life came from the Red Planet or elsewhere. Several Mars lander missions have detected chloromethane, chemicals sometimes produced by living organisms, but most scientists think the findings were contaminations from Earth. Now a team of researchers has replicated these experiments on a meteorite found on Earth and found that it produced chloromethane from organic materials contained in the space rock. The findings suggest chloromethane on Mars may have come from the meteor meteorite debris on the planet's surface, or the Martian soil itself, rather than the Earth. Um, I don't know how long much you want me to read of this. That's the important part. And Slothin. Slothin, you can leave the room. God! You shouldn't have inhaled that carrot. Uh, um, okay. I guess I'll read them a little bit. Okay. NASA's Viking lander descended onto the Red Planet in 1976. The Viking 1 lander, the first of the two detected chloromethane and samples of soil it baked in a small oven on board. The second lander, Viking 2, did not detect chloromethane, 
but did find traces of dichloromethane, another organic compound. However, scientists dismissed the findings, saying they were contaminations from Earth. Recently, NASA's Curiosity <coughs> rover found traces of chloromethane in soil heated in one of its own chemistry instruments. Again, researchers claimed the chemicals were nothing more than terrestrial contamination, partly because it wasn't clear whether such chemicals could form on their own. Uh, Frank Kepler, a biochemist at the University of Heidelberg in Ger Germany, led a study to analyze the Uric Sun meteorite that landed in Australia in 1969. He reasoned that if he could understand how chloromethane formed from this meteorite, he might be able to shed some light on whether the ones found on Mars came from Earth, from other meteorites, or from the red planet itself, and possibly from life. Mars is constantly pummeled by small rocks called micrometeorites. Every year, about 50,000 tons fall on the Martian surface, Kepler said. Most of these are carbonaceous, meaning they contain carbon, an essential building block of life. The researchers heated up material from the Murchison meteor to temperatures of up to 750 degrees Fahrenheit, 400 Celsius, similar to those in the Viking and Curiosity experiments, and sure enough, they found chloromethane. They knew it wasn't contamination from Earth because it had a different chemical fingerprint. Chem yeah, chemical I have, elements. I have a question then. So yeah. we're heating these things up in our own little labs on our, on our probes, right? Right. So could it be the heating of the thing is the, the result and not just life doing it? Uh, um, I don't know, but this next part, it's talking about, here, let me finish the article because it's almost done. Chemical elements come in different forms called isotopes. The researchers looked at the isotope signatures of carbon and nitrogen and the chloromethane from the meteorite and they didn't match those found on Earth. Heating up the chemicals produced similar amounts of chloromethane as those found in Viking and Curiosity, suggesting the same process may have occurred with micrometeorites on the Red Planet. To determine whether the chloromethane on Mars came from Earth, from meteorites, or from the Martian soil, scientists could measure its isotopic signature, Kepler said. At the moment, the landers on Mars, including Curiosity, do not have tools to measure these isotopes, but perhaps future missions will. Based on these findings, the presence of chloromethane is a clear sign that organic matter exists on Mars, Kepler said. This doesn't necessarily suggest organic matter came from life, he said, but we cannot ex exclude it. So my understanding of this is if they do the thing where they heat up these organic materials, the Martian ones and the Earth ones have different um, chemical signatures or different isotopes, I guess. Um, different isotope signatures and the carbon and nitrogen. So I, I think, and I mean, I, this is not a science, this is from space.com, so it's relatively reputable, but it's not exactly a scientific journal. My reading of this article, and these are by scientists or even halfway real scientists and decent at their job, they would have heated up the same chemicals that come from Earth and measured those isotope signatures as well and then compared the two. I'm guessing they heated up Earth ones and Mars ones and then um, <clears throat> measured the isotope signatures on each of them. 
I mean, you have to have a little trust that scientists aren't complete morons or just looking for headlines, but I'm willing to take that leap of faith. And I think this is really cool because it's the debate of is there organic matter on Mars has been a long going one because every time we find what we think is organic matter, and I think this is good that they say this, but the scientists are like, oh, but it could have come from Earth. Because, yeah, that's a good point. But I think this um, isotope signature to say, okay, but look at what the Earth one looks like and look at what the Mars one looks like as kind of verifying that it definitely is organic material that we're finding on Mars and not just contaminated stuff. And I assume the heating is to actually um, isolate this chloromethane stuff so that they can actually get a better look at it. So I would think that they have ruled out that the process itself caused it. All right. I mean, that would be my thought, but I'm not a scientist, so, you know, I can't say that for absolutely sure. That's just what I would think. You are a scientist, just not in that field. Come on. We're all scientists. We are scientists? Yeah. I feel like I need kittens now. That's a really <laughs> obscure reference. Maybe someone will get it. Uh, all I can think of is uh, uh, Schrodinger. Mm. Oh, that's a good one, too. But now with some band from the 90s, I think we are scientists. They had a particular album with kittens on it. Okay. Uh, Sloth Anyway. You're alive. You survived. And I own lab coats. You do own lab coats. Although one of them went missing. I left it in the lab and apparently it disappeared. <clears throat> owning a lab coat does not make you a science. I can buy a lab coat too. Did you just say owning a lab coat does not make you a science? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a scientist. Nope, too late. <laughs> I own a lab coat, therefore I am a science. I am slothinology. <laughs> anyway, I said owning a lab coat doesn't make you a science. So stop trying to be slothinology. You're wrong. I am thing. slothinology, the study of slothin. <laughs> More mysterious <sighs> magic islands appear on giant Saturn moon. And if you didn't realize, we've moved on to the next news story. Mm-hmm. Hence the I'm reading a story voice. The magic island mystery on Saturn's moon Titan just became more puzzling. Last year, astronomers spotted a strange, bright feature in Titan's Ligia Marci. Ligia Marci? Ligia. 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 That they called a magic island because scientists just love calling things magic. <sighs> oh, I'm Jesus. excusing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the object first appeared in photos of the sea in July 2013, and then seemed to vanish until it reappeared in new photos taken over a year later. See, you are just pushing the idea that you're just this big, <laughs> massive blob reading news. <laughs> I am pushing it. Now, two new magic islands have suddenly emerged in Titan's largest sea, Krakenmare, as shown in photos taken in the of the area by NASA's Cassini spacecraft. And that's where we get the rum. Cracked rum is actually pretty decent. <laughs> it comes from that moon. Uh, yes. Oh, okay, that's cool. And apparently this moon, it sings. No, no, the uh, probe no, sings. No, the asteroid sings. The asteroid sings. No, no, sings. the Cassini probe sings. It, it sings Largo Alphactotum from the Barber of Seville. <laughs> <laughs> so you oh, guys have heard, you, you have heard the comet noise? 
yeah. Gaunt noise? Yeah. That was freaking cool. Oh, it was very creepy. That was pretty neat. What could these strange features be? They could be waves. Or they could be something more solid. Dr. Jason Soderblom, a researcher at MIT and member of the Cassini team reported the observations. Told National Geographic, We definitely know now they are something reflecting from the surface. Well, alright. The Cassini spacecraft is not scheduled to fly by Krakenmare again for further observations, according to NASA. But the spacecraft... Craft... Craft is set to observe the original Magic Island, spotted in Ligiamir... Ligia Mare, once more in January. The new Magic Island discoveries were presented this week at the Division for Planetary Sciences meeting of the American Astronomical Society held in Tucson, Arizona. Or the... Tucan? Oh. What? Scroll back up. Scroll back up. The DPSMAAS. Dip... Smas held in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. Tucson. <clears throat> well, now, certainly interesting. Group. So Group. there's not there's not really a lot of information in that. I just thought that the weird floating mystery islands were neat. I'm just curious what they are. It's it's always good to know that there's still more um mysteries out there. I say alien ships. Just basically. In case you're curious, alien ships. Um, or alien <coughs> islands, maybe, that surface from the sea. Something I to do with aliens. I saw a, uh, another article on the site. It says, NASA, we are not alone. <clears throat> My response to that, yeah, that's kind of indicative by the, uh, the use of the word we. I, I think they're referring to... Oh, shut up. I know what they meant. <laughs> but I like nitpicking. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think Slothin did know what they meant. No, he's I too busy eating and coughing and burping yeah, and yeah. jiggling Slothin's everywhere. He's not allowed to eat on these shows anymore. <laughs> I have eaten all the things. He has eaten all the things already. <clears throat> Even had a bowl of chili. Is actually completely empty now. There's no food left. Even the hat. Even the cat no longer has legs. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, please donate to Cure Studio so that I may eat again. Before slothing comes and consumes all my food. Now I'm inhaling things. Oh, don't inhale most of that, cat. I want some. Anyway. By the way, my view of slothing has become closer to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Nipple pinchy wookie. Anyway. Cheaper, more compact particle accelerators are a step closer. Scientists working on an experiment at the SLAC National Accelerator Laboratory in the U.S. have taken a step forward in developing a technology which could significantly reduce the size of particle accelerators. The technology is able to accelerate particles more rapidly than conventional accelerators at a much smaller size. One of the more oppressive aspects of the particle accelerators used for the research, such as the LHC at CERN, is its physical size. Yet even with a circumference of 27 kilometers, kilometers, the LHC would be smaller than most of the next generation of proposed colliders. For example, the International Linear Collider, a possible future collider of electrons and positrons, could be 31 kilometers long. And there is even a proposal for a circular accelerator with an 80 kilometer circumference that could be built at CERN as part of the Future Circular Colliders project. 
The size of all these machines is determined by our ability to build structures that can transfer energy to particles allowing us to accelerate them to greater speeds. The higher the speed, the greater the energy when these particle beams collide, giving scientists a better chance of answering fundamental questions about the universe. This is because higher energy collisions can create uh, conditions that are similar to those existing when the universe was born. Uh, most current accelerators use a structure called an RF cavity, a carefully designed box through which the particle beam passes. The cavity transfers electromagnetic energy into the kinetic energy of particles, accelerating them. However, there is a limited amount, or a limit to the amount of energy that the RF cavity can transfer to particles. This is because, despite the operating in vacuum, there is a risk that increasing electromagnetic fields can lead to lightning-like discharges of energy. Ooh. Cool, we can make electricity? Never mind. <laughs> However, <laughs> even routine experiments in the places like LHC require more energy than a single RF cavity can provide. That is why the current solution to use is to use very many cavities arranged in a straight line. If it is a linear machine such as the SLAC or using the same cavity very many times if it is a circular machine such as the LHC. Either solution presents challenges and requires a large machine to fit in the many parts needed. This raises the cost. Any technology which can increase the acceleration with smaller parts and without the need for more machinery will make future accelerators more compact. Blah, 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 blah. I hope they're making concentric circles at CERN. <clears throat> you want it to be a target? Yes, I want it to be a giant target from space. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find out where they're... Saying that they could use something else. Actually, isn't it underground? I believe. The new technology which could pro which could promise more compact particle accelerators has just been published in a study of nature. The study suggests that if bunches of electrons are passed through a short column of lithium vapor plasma in rapid succession, the electric field of the plasma is able to translate enough energy to accelerate particles hundreds of times quicker than the LHC. It is able to achieve all this while being 30 centimeters in length. And I think that's all I have to read in that. I, I think we had a pretty decent background that led up to this, and all of a sudden, plasma, 30 centimeters versus, you know, what do we have now? What'd they say? 40? 30? 31 kilometers across, I think. Not a, well, in the circle. Can't they just give us their measurements in American? Oh, fuck off. Uh. 30, 30 kilometers? I don't know how much that is. I'm not some terrorist. As a student of the sciences, <clears throat> shut up. <laughs> We've all been students of the sciences the at some point The imperial system time. is fucking obnoxious. Whatever. I wish the they hadn't spoiled my concept awesome. of distance and measurement and all that crap with the stupid fucking imperial system. They need to stop teaching so, that um, crap. Phase so it out of existence. Are you going to school, Slothin? Muslim. <laughs> He's too fat to be Muslim. What are you talking about? Oh, that's mean. <laughs> I could be multiple Muslims wrapped in a towel. <laughs> that was racist. I'm sorry, Avoto. I should not have said towel wrapped in a sheet. Um, I don't think that's the appropriate term either. What? <laughs> it's not. I mean, okay, fine. Wrapped in a flesh bag. <laughs> that doesn't Ew, make that any sense. That's gross. <laughs> All right, Rofax, and if you could start the next news story, uh, everybody who's going to listen into this, 
Yeah, it sounds like it's a an ad for this, and it is. Because it is. It is, but I'm interested in the fuel cell, so go ahead. Uh, the future has arrived, and it's called Maria Akeo Toyota. Um, announced name of fuel cell sedan and web video. Okay, this is weird, because his name is Toyota. Yeah. Like T-O-Y-O-D-A. Yeah. And it's a Toyota. Yeah. This is so confusing. Uh, anyway. That is, that is the family name, and he was probably adopted in the Toyota family. It's... They oh, changed the really? name. Yes, they probably changed the name for international uses to Toyota. Oh, I had no idea. You didn't yeah, know about the Japanese adopting cool. people? No, I knew about that. I didn't know. Yeah, they have the highest adoption Toyota rate in the Toyota world. In particular. Yeah. They just have but to it's be adopting adults. adults. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but then. Would you like to join my family? Anyway. Yeah, that sounds creepy. <laughs> anyway, Akia Toyota has seen the future and it's called Mariah. That's the name of Toyota's new fuel cell vehicle, which the company's presidents announced in a video released the day before the car's official launch. Mariah, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Mary? I think it's Mariah. Mariah. Mirai, which means future in Japanese, represents a turning point for the automotive industry, offering the promise of a world that is safer, greener, and easier for everyone. The groundbreaking vehicle has the cruising range of a conventional sedan, can be refueled in less than five minutes, and emits only water vapor. In Akio Toyota's words, this is a car that lets you have it all with no compromises. Transcript of Akio Toyota's announcement video. I assume I don't have to read that. No, but just, if you could glance through here, like, our fuel cell vehicle runs on hydrogen that can be made from virtually anything, even garbage. It is a fuel cell that creates enough electricity to power a house for about a week. You know, that's that's pretty outstanding to me, because <laughs> from previous uh, iterations of a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, I do not believe it was that powerful. Um, let me, um point out this is probably a japanese house not a uh, a bloaty power well, hungry yeah, american that's house that's true they don't do yeah. heat and they don't really do ac yeah, yeah no heat that's dreadful no heat no ac that's paper cool they have paper thin walls and the only heat you get is from the heated toilet seat you might have or the uh uh can't remember the low tables well, that have the heating wait. coils underneath but if they don't have heat, I assume they have running water, won't their pipes bust? Explode? Break? I am not a person. They have a water heater that yes, I think Yes, you are pumps. a person. I am a I'm person sorry. who doesn't know. Okay, so this I guy, uh, if Harry Potter said his name, would he get a Star Wars action figure? Toyota? Yeah, probably. Akio Toyota? <laughs> yeah. It sounds yeah. like the spell that brings you things. <laughs> I mean, you're geekier than I thought. Okay. Wait. Now, certainly, Laura, you noticed all my dumb Yoda puns in there, right? No. Oh, oh I kept pronouncing his name with Yoda in it, which wasn't appropriate at all. And actually very rude of me. I shouldn't be such a jerk. But he's not listening to it. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. Maybe. Yoda's in his name. He could be a horrible person. Who knows? But he was probably adopted, like I said, so handpicked to be the next uh, uh, manager or runner of Toyota. 
<laughs> what we don't know is every, is that everybody who works for Toyota actually gets adopted. No. It's not that the country's big on adopting people. It's just that one family. Yeah. <laughs> they are very much known yeah. to do that. Yes. Toyota is, is renowned for that. The entire staff is adopted. It's like, you want to be the secretary? Yeah, well, you have to kind of be adopted and uh, abandon your family. Well, the I'm funny just thing a is, salesman. not only do they adopt you, you are to marry their daughter. So it's kind of like you're marrying your adopted sister. That's weird. Yeah, well. yeah, but if they adopt enough people, you know, it's basically like, oh, well, that means I have to marry someone who works for Toyota. That's not really a big uh, narrowing down of the field. That is a good point. Oh. It's like, hey, I found this girl. Can you just adopt her? I want to marry her. It's like, yeah, sure. Anyway. Anyway, Slothin, guess what time it is? Pulsar laser used to create 3D display in midair! Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> They're not even related, I don't think. They are. Are they? Was it the same guy? Anyway, you've probably seen projectors that can create images that seem to float in midair by painting light onto a fog of water, but Japanese firm Ariel Burton has created something much more impressive. The recent demo demoed Ariel Burton display can create moving 3D images in midair using laser plasma technology. Does that have to be water vapor? Couldn't it be like vaporized it, people? It could be any, it could be any kind of vapor, cloud, smoke, anything you think of, but they don't need to use it for this, so continue. Okay. The Ariel Burton display isn't currently capable of creating detailed images like you'd seen on the screen projector, like you might have seen on the screen projector. I don't like how that was phrased. But it's still a big leap when you consider there's nothing up there off which to bounce light. That's really the basis of most projection technologies. The light reflects off something in, into your eyes. The aerial display shown here uses lasers to ionize molecules in the air, so the source of the light is actually floating in midair where you see it. Yes. <laughs> it's just ionizing said air. The images are produced by a 1 kilohertz infra infrared pulse laser, which is directed into a 3D scanner. This app apparatus reflects the pulses up into the air while focusing them onto predefined points. By ionizing molecules in very localized areas, the device is essentially producing pockets of plasma that give off energy as photons. The flashes of light are short-lived, so the system has to constantly pulse new beams to keep the image alive. The next step is to increase the resolution of the images. Right now, it can be a little hard to tell what each image is as it's rotating around. This is more of a concern with busy backgrounds behind it. There are a few demos of this same technology in water, and the overall quality of the image is much higher. Air is obviously much less dense, so there may be fundamental limits to this kind of pulsed plasma laser tech. The designers believe the Ariel Burton display could be used, to emer used in emergency situations to help people find evacuation routes and emergency supplies. It's also portable and can be mounted in a car. You might not be able to render Princess Leia in full holographic detail, but a giant floating arrow that points to safety during an emergency seems doable. I Bounce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Couldn't help myself. Wow, we are doing Star Wars out the ass today. Princess Leia, Jabba, Yoda, jeez. You are obsessed with asses today. Have you been staring at that Kardashian photo? I looked ah! at it. I looked at it. She's glistening and 
That's uh, all right, but I'm pretty sure it's photoshopped what? like crazy. Oh my god, I've seen the original. It is massively photoshopped. I think they chopped her waist yes, in half. They did. Which uh, I could have. We shouldn't I, be talking about this. It's a stupid story that we shouldn't mention. Yes. I could have looked at it, but we landed a rocket ship on a comment, and that distracted me. Yeah, it did me, and I saw that a lot on Facebook, <laughs> but as I scrolled through Facebook, I, of course, saw Kim Kardashian's ass. Kim Kardashian's ass, did you? <laughs> I didn't. Why are you actually in bad about checking Facebook? I was on but no, this is, this is fascinating. Uh, the possibilities of the future of having a projection just float in the air. Do they have a video? With yes. That news article. Yes. Can you send that to me? I want to look at it after the show. Uh, It'll be in the ev- show notes, dude. Lazy. Dude, I am not going to type in all those letters when Lorcan just sent it to me because I'm lazy. There. Thank it's you. I sent you. A link in the show notes. Anyway, yeah, but you don't I, have to but, type it in. And even if it wasn't a link, you could hit copy and paste. Anyway, I'd have to type in the words to search for the site. Your studio site. All right. Oh. So before I move on to the next news story, I just want to mention seals are having sex with penguins and nobody knows. And now you do. Anyway, next news story. <laughs> that seals ate penguins. They may do that too, but they also do other things. Interesting. So anyway, the not, U- not U.S. Justice Department accused of using fake cell towers on planes to gather data from phones. The United States Justice Department has been using fake communication towers installed in airplanes to acquire cellular phone data for tracking down criminals, the report reports the Wall Street Journal. The program has reportedly been in place since 2007 and uses Cessna airplanes that operate out of at least five metropolitan airports. Uh, Aircraft in the program are outfitted with dirt box devices produced by Boeing that are designed to mimic cellular towers. Fooling cell phones and reporting unique registration information to track down individuals under investigation. And only those, of course. According to the WSJ, the devices let investigators gather identification information and general location data from thousands of cellular phones in one flight, and Apple's encryption policies don't prevent the collection of data. Now, let's hold on here. Let me just go back here just a second. Uh, we're doing this to track down individuals under investigation, and yet these devices let investigators gather this information from thousands of cellular phones in one flight. Huh. As in everybody in the world. But, huh. but don't, 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 don't worry, Lore, we're just going to throw away the stuff we don't need. Of course. Government's, Absolutely. No problem. The government throws away information all the time. Yeah. Also, that's, these that's are airplanes. You know what that means? Hmm. Chemtrails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would like to say these devices were produced by Boeing. Yeah. Anyway, cell phones are programmed to connect automatically the strongest cell tower. The device is being used by the U.S. Marshals Service identified itself as having the closest, strongest signal, even though it doesn't, and forces the cell phone uh, that contact it signal to send their unique registration information even having encryption on one's phone such as apple's current iphone 6 doesn't prevent this the technology is aimed at locating cell phones linked to individuals under investigation by the government blah 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 yeah right uh they said the device determines which phones are be- belong to suspects and let's go of the non-suspect phones uh-huh. yeah who That's doesn't know to throw away your phone and get a burner if you're under investigation. Seriously. That's, there's that too. 
The fake tower devices are able to interrupt calls on certain phones. Wow, really? They can interrupt a phone call? With authorities attempting to minimize harm by ensuring they they don't interrupt emergency calls, and the technology can pinpoint a suspect's cell phone location down to three meters. The program is run by the U.S. Marshal Service, and some individuals involved have raised concerns about the legality of the operation and if there are effective procedures in place to safeguard the handling of data acquired, as it is said to capture data from thousands of non-criminal individuals as well. It is not known how often the flights take place, as the sources did not divulge that information, but they reportedly take place on a regular basis. Justice Department officials did not confirm or deny the existence of the program when questioned, stating that a discussion of the matter could allow criminal suspects or foreign powers to determine U.S. surveillance capabilities. But a representative said that the Justice Department agency complied with the federal law and seeks court approval for their activities. A Verizon spokesperson said that the company was not aware of such a program and did not participate when spokesperson from AT&T and Sprint declined to comment. Nice. It's nice how they all take yeah. turns being the assholes. Well, you can't be an asshole all the time or no one will use you. Yeah. Yeah, were you talking about the cell phone companies or the government organizations taking turns being assholes? Yes, the cell phone companies. The government agencies are always assholes. Yeah, yeah but you know the NSA had so much press directed towards it, uh whatever this one is, Justice Department or whatever, decided it needed a little bit of time. They're just trying to protect you. Uh, it's okay, it's just meta, It's just metadata. That doesn't yeah. have any real information. I mean, they can track down citizens with it, but for some reason it doesn't matter if, it, if that's collected. Yeah, it's it, not real we, they, they, it doesn't matter where you are. As long as you're doing Ooh. nothing illegal, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the next story is Rofaxon's. And the word is pronounced Iditarod. Iditarod, okay. okay. I did not read ahead, so... A small town may be the first in U.S. to tax its churches. Uh, let's see, a small Alaska town may become the first in the nation to tax its churches and other non-profits. Cool. Nome, Alaska is a tiny town of less than 4,000 people. Despite its size, its name is well known. Join up in popular... I don't know why that's important popular culture venues from the Lucy Desi comedy hour in the 50s to the X-Files to the Simpsons movie and something about a trail sled movie. Nome, Alaska may one day soon be known for another reason as the first American town to tax its churches. Strapped awesome. for cash. I don't see why they want to be taxed. Uh, strapped for cash, the town's finance director, Julie Liu, believes taxing churches and other nonprofits could raise 300000 annually for a small town. The city council has already met to debate the idea, and it looks like they may move forward. Um, let's see. You get rid of the sales tax temptation most of the time. These other exemptions aren't given. We're Exemption, not temptation. You get rid of the sales tax exemption. Oh, okay. God, I was confused. You get rid of the sales tax exemption most of the time these other exemptions aren't given. We're a very nice city to do it. City Council member Matt Culley said, according to NOM, when we sit down at budget time with the numbers to look at it, if we want to donate that money back to nonprofits, the money can go all back in. But we have control. 
but we have control over it now as opposing to it going whatever direction that we have it going now. Uh, the city council says that they could refund the taxes collected in the future if the town's coffers are more full. Estimates vary, but studies show exempting religion from taxes in America cost the taxpayer between $71 billion and $83.5 billion a year. For comparison, America's food stamp program costs about $75 to $80 billion a year. Uh, so taxing their churches. I really have never understood the I'm a church or I'm some nonprofit, so because I'm a certain religion, instead of not being religiously affiliated, I get a tax break. That has never ever made sense to me. So I say, yeah, I don't I don't see why they wouldn't be taxed. They're things. They make money. People go to them. It's a service provided which people purchase, so why aren't they being taxed anyway? However, so I say, go for it. <clears throat> However, I disagree that with taxation in general. I say it's immoral to force somebody yeah. to pay anything because you are basically pointing guns at well, people's I, heads. I'm of two that minds in this. On one side, I don't like the idea of taxation. On the other, I don't like the idea of religion being exempted from taxation and on an entire different side they're talking about how oh churches they they're costing the taxpayers 71 billion and that's that's less that's you know less or 79 to 81 billion or something and the food stamps program is about that size and how much of that money gets spent on giving food to people I mean, churches, I have a lot of problem with them, but they are one of the big philanthropy groups who aren't going around being asshats about it. Really not the big and asshats. They're not and it, it didn't off. say just churches. It said churches and nonprofits. This looks like it's focusing on churches. But here's the thing that I don't like. Yes, churches are very philanthropic and do a lot of good things. But what is good is a very subjective thing, which the government shouldn't decide how is done some of the philanthropy churches do i i had a friend who was going on missionary the church's philanthropic activity was going to other countries and telling them they should be christian i don't think that's philanthropic i think we should let people decide what religion they want to be but the church was in a tax-free state funding people to go over to other countries and tell everybody how they're going to hell you know if the church wants to do that, they have every right to do it, but I don't see why that makes them non-profits. I think giving food to homeless people is a good thing. Someone else might disagree. And if I get favoritism, special treatment, because the government agrees with my moral standard, then we are handing our um, moral decisions over to the government, which we shouldn't do. You know, if I believe in taxes or not is immaterial. Everyone should be treated equal. Nice people who I agree with should be treated just the same as jerks who I don't agree with. It has to be fair from the government standard. So I'm all for the idea of getting special interest groups left specialized powers. All right. Anyway, that's my thought. Slothin, this will probably be the last news story before we go to hyperspeed, so make it a good one. After Satanists plan to give away coloring books, school board considers banning religious distributions altogether. 
Huh. In January of 2013, World Changers of Florida Incorporated held Bible distributions at a number of public high schools in Orange County. Florida. No student would be forced to take one, but there would be a table set up where student interested students could take a copy if they wanted. Why are they white? Bibles are black. Bible black? I know that sounds weird, but I, I don't know why. I've had red ones, I've had brown uh, ones. Okay, red, fine, but they're not usually white. It makes it white. look friendly. Continue. This alone could have been illegal, but the Orange County School Board agreed that non-Christian groups could also have a distribution if they wanted. When the Center, Central Florida Free Thought community called their bluff and planned their own giveaways, they were heavily censored. Many of their books, they were told, could not be given away, including such titles as Sam Harris's Letters to a Christian Nation and IBN's War, IBN Warwick's Why I'm Not a Muslim. IBN Warwick's Why I Am Not a his his first name. I, I want to know how to pronounce that. I'm confused. Ibn. Ibn? Or Ibn. is it In? Or it's is it Ibn? Or Does is it really it... matter? Ibn. The Freedom from Religion Foundation didn't buy their explanations for why the books were censored and filed a federal lawsuit against the district in June of 2013. Before the lawsuit was ruled upon, the district agreed to let the atheists give away whatever books they wanted. But for whatever reason, the atheists never bothered to submit a formal request to do a distribution. My assumption here is that because the giveaway was now open to everyone, they had no need to push this any further. Edit CFFC's David Williamson tells me they didn't do the giveaway because the lawsuit was still ongoing and they were not notified on the board that the board decided not to censor the materials until after it was too late to participate. Mm. Then the fun began. The Satanic, Satanic Temple announced earlier this year that they would file a formal request to do a giveaway of materials about Satanism, which eventually morphed into a single fantastic coloring book. The Satanic Children's Book of... Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities. It's adorable. It is. <laughs> it's a Baphomet. Oh, it, it, I think you'd make yourself a little pentagram or something. Yes, you would. That's delightful. <laughs> Damn, I love the Constitution. After all of this, the Orange County School Board is finally, finally considering not allowing outside groups to do book distributions. Worried about facing national ridicule if a satanic group is allowed to give out coloring books to children, the Orange County School Board moved Thursday toward preventing any outside group from distributing religious materials on campus. So atheists should still be fine. Yeah. The board discussed the issue during a workshop Thursday. The earliest it could vote to change the policy would be late January or early February. Official said. This really has frankly gotten out of hand, said Chairman Bill Sublet. I think we've seen a group or groups take advantage of the open forum we've had. That's what open forums are about. Yeah. The last statement is just bananas. It didn't get out of hand at all. Sublet is mad because a non-Christian group took them up on their offer, and that was never supposed to happen. People like him aren't used to minority groups fighting. Like, okie dokie. No, 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 getting preachy. Shut your preach hole. (laughs) I don't care anymore. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't... If it's a public place and a public forum, I think the... Satanists should be able to give out their coloring books. I think it's funny that they did, and I think it's a little hypocritical and stupid they closed down the forum. 
It. I like the. Uh, um, there's also yeah. a satanic statue that was going to be put on a uh, courthouse somewhere that delighted me. Yeah. I like that the Satanists are getting into this. I mean. Satanists always seem to get into it. I like the Satanists. Not are one, boring, but, but Satanists yeah, and they're just... are hilarious. Did you say atheists, atheists are boring? Are boring. <laughs> yes! Atheists are boring and full of hate. Ironically, Not Satanists hate. are fun and lighthearted. <laughs> no, no, atheists are full of hate. Atheists are just boring. They're a lot more hateful than the Satanists, who seem to be rather lighthearted and fun. Well, because they it's and all a joke. Sense. It's all a joke. Yeah. To some extent, that's true. Well, yeah. if, if you think I about... I don't see why they can't give their uh, give their little books out. I think right. they should press issue and be like, no, we're giving them out anyway. Okay, we're about to do hyperspeed, and Slothin, I assume you've read this article, so I'm going to read the title and you explain to me why you wanted this story, okay? okay. The title is, This is How You're Supposed to Swallow Pills. 151 volunteers swallowed a bunch of pills for science. They wanted to find... One, there was a study. A study that took money to determine how you should be swallowing pills correctly. Probably government-granted money. I can understand how this would be useful, but really, if a private group wanted to do this and not be using government money on it, I'd be fine with it. But this is a stupid waste of money. And two... I think our show is probably a lot more entertaining when you're on pills, and I thought this might be a public service announcement to our listeners to make our show better for them. <laughs> Take your pills! Alright. Uh, next news story, I guess, is mine. Nanoscale sculptures recreate the human body in the eye of a needle. Wait, this was actually slot or Rofaxons. I'm sorry. You can read the next line. Um... No, that's about it. Microscopic sculptures by artist John Hurtwitz are so tiny that they can fit easily inside the eye of a needle, on a human hair, or on the forehead of an ant. This isn't necessarily a new idea, but it just came up in the news again, and there's pictures. They're, they're little statues that literally fit inside of a needle. They're very they're like microscopic statues. It's just a cool idea. I... I read the article he's got some cool stuff about art and perspective and the idea that making these little tiny statues you don't actually see them with your eye you only see them with technology and therefore you don't know for sure whether or not they actually exist yet you understand that they represent something and artistically that's an interesting concept i also like the idea Done. of giving ants hood ornaments <laughs> you can give your but car you could do you can give your car a microscopic one. Um, you could also do that. Anyway, Sloth? The eight-hour rule is bunk. Why conventional wisdom about sleep is stressing us out. We've been told over and over that eight hours constitutes a full night's rest. Our bodies tell a different story. Apparently, this article I found uh, because I was looking at the news site and I saw something about sleep, and I'm always interested about it, and it goes on to say stuff like, uh, what we should be doing is sleeping about four hours, then we'd probably wake up on our own, and we should be okay with that, and be awake for up to two hours, and then you go back to sleep. You don't get up and you mow the lawn or anything. You get up and you just chill out and relax, and you have conversations with your partner or something, or you might go out for a, a drink or something, then you go back to bed. And Unless you, you can a... mow the, the lawn in two hours. I can mow the lawn in, like, 
half an hour. I know they did a study yeah, where they put a bunch of people long. in a cave and watched how they behaved. And they did end up sleeping in, like, four-hour chunks. They talk about that in the article. If I was in the cave, I'd sleep in, like, 15-hour chunks and be awake for four, then sleep another 15. I just know that. That's what would happen. <laughs> All okay. I do is sleep. Was this one mine? I think so. Impossible electric bike folds up to fit in a backpack. It probably shouldn't exist, but a group of engineers have built a prototype electric bicycle with a bizarre design that folds up into a tiny form. So it's an electric bike, apparently doesn't have any pedals, you can put it in your backpack, and it can run for about 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah it's got a semi-decent semi range on it. It's super tiny and super light. Okay. Oh wow, those batteries inside its pack look just like the ones I'm using in my e-cigarette. Ha. Uh, they could be similar. <laughs> they, they're probably those... Uh, I think they're lithium? I can't remember. Anyway. Neat. And Rofaxen, regale us with the last news story. Okay. Um, okay, this is from Gizmodo. This is actually the title. This must be the dumbest cycle helmet design ever. This is by some Sydney-based designer guy... I guess they want to license cyclers for some reason, and you just have to go to the show notes and look at this picture, because <laughs> it's the most ridiculous bicycle helmet ever. It's got a little license plate on the back, it's got turn signals in there, and apparently you have like a visor thing that shows you your speed limit, and it's just... And it's it, got a picture of the guy actually wearing it. It's just so ridiculous. It looks like hilarious. a robot dinosaur <laughs> on yeah. your head. Or yeah, a Pokemon. Oh my oh, god, it's, it's a Pokemon it head. It is a Pokemon head. They could make this cool by making that into dinosaur-type Pokemon. Or dragon-types. If this gets um accepted, there would be laws that you had to wear this so you'd be properly licensed. And I mean, turn signals, I guess that's neat, but can't you just, like, turn your hand or point your hand or whatever you do with the over or the down thing? Yeah. Uh, this is completely unnecessary, oh my but God. it's so ridiculous. And the comments are horrible. They're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. But this design is stupid. Everyone should have a license for a bicycle. You share the road. Jeez. Come on. Uh, uh, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree. I don't agree with government-run roads, so I'm sort I don't of out agree of the with argument. NBC, I don't agree with license for vehicles anyway. Uh, I, if I ran the roads privately, I wouldn't necessarily have a licensing system, but I would know who the hell everyone was based on their some code on their vehicle. All right, before we wrap up, I have a shout-out to the guy who keeps uh, putting email in my box for their T-shirts. He's, there's another one being sent to me, so if you listen to the show, uh, a gentleman by the name of Hickam Housen, your account statement has just been sent to me. If you could please email me your email address so I can forward this to you, that'd be great. <laughs> kind of doubt he's actually listening to the show, but nice public service. That's just ridiculous. Anyway... Where can we find you online, Slothin? Twitter, Tumblr, not particularly really Google+, or you could find me on Rofaxon's videos, making silly, hilarious, light-hearted comments while playing Minecraft. Are they light-hearted? Yes. Okay. Sort of. Rofaxon, where can we find you? Uh, Twitter at Rofaxon, the Google Play Store, but the best place is the Rofaxon channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Rofaxon channel. 
I'm doing uh, mostly Minecraft videos at the moment with Slothin. And one of these days we're going to get an adventure map up, which I'm looking forward to. We tried playing an adventure map, but failed miserably last time, so we're giving it another shot. Okay, and I can be found as Lauren Law on Twitter and my anime list, but everywhere else I can be found as Kier Studios, for example, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome you to visit our site at curestudios.galaxy15radio.com, where you can click the donate tab at the top of the page to give us boosts of moral support. Also, if you have any feedback or news for the show, please send an email to curestudios at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe, and just for fun, let your friends and family possibly know about it by giving them copies of our show, How Amber Maiden. Uh, well, you see, what you do is, um, you get that laser beam you and my hubby were talking about, and you write the URL with the laser beam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my. Amber Maiden, you, you don't sound right, are you sick? I feel wonderful. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the opening song is Black Runners by Spleen, which can be found on Jamendo.com. Today's closing song is Pyres of the Chaotic Wind by Silence, which can be found at SoundCloud.com. We leave you now so that you may go forth and improve the world. Two five three six zero five six three one five four four two five six nine eight six eight nine five two six plus.